uh, it was really fascinating to listen from the front row the interaction that we had with the music and the songs as like for all of God's children it's completely different but they were good please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 does anyone remember uh, what the sermon was last Sunday Somebody remembers? Chris, do you remember? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody uh, want to fill us in what the sermon was last Sunday? Do you know what book of the Bible it came from? Acts chapter 2, right? Credit for community. Remember that? If you were here, not many of you were, but uh, if you were here, I appreciated uh, the words that, that Chris shared with us. I, re- I wrote something down. He said this, and this might not be exactly, but I asked him if it reflects what he said. We are created for community. True Christian community reflects the nature and character of God. It is His physical presence on earth. The relational aspects of God are given to humanity in creation, and it's a part of our DNA to relate, to have relationship. And he talked, remember he talked about common cause. When you have a common cause with somebody, it's easy to band together around that. Runners have a common cause. Uh, I'm a bibliophile. That means a lover of books. And so I sometimes go on to online forums where other people who love books talk about books. And I can get lost in talking about old books and feeling old books and touching old books. And only people who really love old books know what I'm talking about. There's a common community there. And Chris made a very able argument that that is a part of the early church. And he also, I remember him saying, it isn't necessarily that we uh, pattern our lives after the early church. Uh, we, we live in a different time period, a different era, a different world. But the, the truths that are there are meant for, are, are timeless and they're meant for today. So let's read uh, Acts chapter 2. Please follow along. Uh, verse. I think I'm going to uh, begin reading in verse 37. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this... They were cut to the heart. Now, who is the they here? It's the people listening. And remember, the people are listening, and there are people from uh, many different nationalities. In fact, earlier in the chapter, he lists them, and they're, they're from at least 15 different nationalities that are represented in this audience. And uh, some of them actually are at war with each other. Some of these nations are at war with each other. And there's Jews there, there's uh, proselytes, which means those who came to Judaism. There are visitors from Rome and all these people. So it's a mixed audience. They were all different, and many different peoples there. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, 
everyone whom the Lord God, our God, calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they, the 3,000 souls, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with gladness, with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So um, the book of Acts is quite clear that that this is about the church. And as we think about, especially honing in on verse 42 today, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. Now, Chris talked about fellowship last week, so let's think today about what it means to devote themselves. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. What does that mean for them, and what does it mean for us? Now, it, it is helpful to understand uh, a bit about the book of Acts. Uh, Acts is a continuation of Luke, actually. Luke is the writer of Acts. Sometime do this, read Luke and Acts and together, and you have this kind of full story of early Christianity. And uh, in all likelihood, Luke, who is a companion of Paul, wrote it. And he wrote it sometime when Paul was still in prison but had not yet died. Because Acts ends with Paul in prison. And uh, it, it, it characterizes the movement. And there is movement in Acts. Think about the movement. It begins in Jerusalem, but it ends in Rome. And Rome is a cosmopolitan city. It would be kind of like saying it begins in Holmes County and ends in New York City. Or it begins in Lancaster County and ends in New York City. The, the, we are, this is our home, but it, it stretches out. And Acts reflects how the movement of the gospel went through the world and how God still intends it to go through the world. Now, it also uh, it focuses in first the role of Peter and then the role of Paul. And then it, it's meant to push us into thinking about what our space is in the gospel. Now, uh, let, let's just think a little bit. Uh, by the way, this is amazing growth. I, I've often wondered, how was this when they baptized 3,000? Have you thought about, uh, did they dip, dunk, sprinkle? What did they do? How did they do it? And, and by the way, this is also the account. This is really fascinating to me that, that this is the account of the people were all there. They spoke different languages. And everyone could understand it in their own language. Now, does that stretch through the baptism? I don't know. That the, the apostles do not make a big deal of that. They assume that this is the movement of God at bringing His people together. And by the way, uh, Chris mentioned it, I think, last Sunday as well. This is the reverse of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel is when God came down and He saw people and they were going their own way. And God said, okay, I can't have them banding together. They'll get too much done. And so now God is suddenly bringing it together and He wants us to get a lot done. He wants us to build something, a different tower, the kingdom of God. And, and so this is, this is what this is about. 
so, so they're being baptized, and then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? And, and if, if they were called to, to devote themselves to that, should we not be devoting ourselves to the very same thing? If we want to grow in our Christian lives, should we not devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching? And to fellowship. Uh, last Sunday, we all kind of agreed at the end, fellowship is important. It is very important. It's in our DNA. But equally in our DNA is a desire to learn and to grow and to build. That is in all of our DNA to, to help build, to grow, and to increase something. And what is it that we're called to, to do that with? So, and they, first of all, I, I just want to look at the word devoted. I want to just to make sure that we understand that it means to give all your resources towards something. Give all your resources towards something, the opposite of dabbling into. When you dabble into something, it means you kind of stick your finger in and mess around with a bit. Giving all your resources to something is, is what this means. So how do we give all our resources? How did they give all their resources to the apostles' teaching? So what is the apostles' teaching? What is it? Okay, so back up with me. Jesus has been on earth three and a half year, uh, 33 years, but he's been teaching for three and a half years, and then he dies, and he's gone. And by the way, the, the guy preaching here, this is so fascinating, is the guy who several weeks before has betrayed Jesus. And then the miracle of the Holy Spirit happens. And that transformation in that guy's life, Peter, begins. So now, so Jesus is gone. And these, this uh, group of 120 people are beginning to proclaim this, this teaching about Jesus. The apostles' teaching is actually what they knew about Jesus, how they taught about Jesus. Right? The apostles' teaching is the apostles now teaching Jesus Christ. It's not a set. They didn't have bullet points or slideshow. Maybe they could have had a slideshow. Uh, they showed a picture of Jesus. But that's not what it is. It is, about, it is about the transforming power of Jesus. So Peter, let's just take him for an example. Peter gets up and he says, brothers and sisters. Now these are, these, some of these people were surely at the trial of Jesus and saw it happen and knew that Peter had denied him there. And suddenly he gets up and with power preaches in the language of everyone there. Which is an amazing thing. And people are going, wait now, wait a minute. Ooh, what this guy? What happened to this guy? It is in that, what happened to this guy, that we find our answer to what is the apostles' teaching. What happened to Peter? What happened to him? He experienced Jesus and the Holy Spirit in a way he had never experienced it before. So I, I, I the apostles' teaching is about, is, is, it's built around a person, it's built around Jesus, it's what we often call the gospel. And I think that we, we, we run the risk of, of I think we need to reframe our idea about what the gospel is. The gospel is more than just what saves us and gives us freedom from sin. It is actually what builds God's kingdom on earth. This is about building God's kingdom on earth. And you and I get to be part of it. So what Acts does and what Peter is showing them, look, Jesus went back up to heaven. He talks about it in his sermon. Jesus is now at the right hand of God. And now we've been given this message. And the message is that Jesus... Uh, Back up with me. Uh, look, at, look at verse 29 of the same uh, chapter, chapter 2. Brothers and sisters, 
I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus raised up, and of that we are all witnesses." being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has powered out this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So Peter is saying, what you're seeing and hearing is the power of God in us. And you know what the gospel is? You know what the, the apostles' teaching is? It is the power of God in us. In Mike. In Maynard. In Naomi. In Albina. It is the power of God in that. Is it, this is amazing to me that Jesus comes to earth. He could have stayed on earth. He didn't to build his kingdom. What he did was handed off to a group of 12 or 120 and then 3,000 and then 5,000 added to that and then to us. He handed it off to us and says, now you build the kingdom. But in order to do that, we have to have fellowship and we have to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. So the, the unifying factor, by the way, I thought about this this morning. They could have tried to recreate Pentecost many times over. They could have devoted themselves to recreating Pentecost, recreating the miracles. They didn't do that. The miracles and Pentecost, or the miracles and them speaking in tongues like that, comes out of their walking with Jesus. The miracles that happen today come out of people who are walking with Jesus, not out of people who squeeze out a desire to recreate miracles. Those things, answer prayer and miracles, are a result, not what we're striving for. They're a result of being committed to the apostle's teaching. Again, the central idea is this story, the story of Jesus. The story isn't the right word. Um, the central idea here is that, is that they're building their lives around Jesus and His work here on earth. And the, and, and the idea that they are meant to recreate, listen, hear that word, recreate that same world that Jesus brought in their own small little worlds. You and you, Tim, you are called to recreate, this coming week, I'll pick on you, you're called to recreate Jesus' Walk here on earth at Ely Road Real this week. I'm called to do that at Behalt, at, in my home. So when we recreate Jesus' story, Jesus' work here on earth, what we're actually doing is following the apostles' teaching. Now how do we... How, how, okay, so for, another thing I want to note here is the apostles' teaching did something. When they committed themselves, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, it crossed all the barriers. Think about this. Fifteen na nationalities represented here. And what is it that overcomes all the barriers? Some of these nations, I went back and checked, are at war with each other. And if each one would have claimed their own national flag and their own space, they would have soon been at war, if not physically, at least with words. Some of them were dressed... Uh, in robes, very conservative robes, others were wearing flashy Roman clothes. Some of them 
And it allows the, the, these 3,000 people to gather their resources, put them together, and dynamically change the world. Think about this. These 120 people that go into the day of Pentecost, that go into this moment, radically change our world today. We remember a little bit about Nero. We remember something about Alexander the Great. We remember something about George Washington. We remember something... Uh, good or bad about Hitler. We remember something about Stalin and Lenin and they impact our world. But no one has ever impacted the world like these 120 people did. For the amount of time and space that they did. And it is intended for us to carry that, that story, that, that kingdom forward. Are we committed to following the apostles' teaching? Now, so uh, practically... I, I was thinking about what does this mean for us today? How should we relate to us today? First of all, I have a question. What is the central narrative that you build your world around? What's the central story that you build your world around? Is it how successful you are? Is it what I can do at work? Is it how good I am at speaking to a group of tourists who comes in? It, what is the central narrative? Is it what I can get out of life? It's apparent that is not what is happening here. The central narrative that this group of people are building their lives around, the central theme that they're building their lives around is Jesus Christ and His power in their lives. If we have any other narrative ruling in our lives, we, we will never impact our world. And so today... There is an invitation if you've never committed yourselves to following the, the kingdom of Jesus. And again, this is much more than just deliverance from sin or forgiveness from sin and the opportunity to get to go to heaven. This is about the way we live. About the way we impact our world. And then we have to ask ourselves a, a question as providence, first of all. What is it that we devote, what is it that brings us together today? If, if the central theme in Christianity, if the central theme of the Scriptures, if the central theme of God's people is built around a relationship with Jesus and that impacting our lives today, then what is it that pulls us together here? And if it's anything other than that, it's idolatry. It is idolatry. Because if we, if, if there are... I mean, yes, okay, so we have communities of bibliophiles and communities of runners and communities of academics, and that, that's okay. But when it comes to the church, the, the, us, PCF, what is it that brings us together? What are we devoted to? What is it that we give our hearts to as a church? Is it devotion to the apostles' teaching? And then, are we committed to allowing the gospel 
the story of Jesus to work across all the artificial boundaries in our world? How good, how okay are we to invite people who are not like us into our, this story? And regardless whether we admit it or not, we're all like this because of the selfish nature of humanity. We want it kept to people who are kind of like us because when we do that, it makes us feel better about ourselves. And it makes us feel more comfortable. And we like being comfortable. Uh, I once sat in a church service, and and this was the most unique experience where I sat beside a large uh, African-American homeless man who snored loudly during the service. And he uh, had not showered the night before. And on the other side of me sat a professor, one of the leading professors of finance at Yale University. And I sat between those two guys for church service. And I thought, this is really weird. The guy, uh, the, the economics professor, he, he was one of the most uh, attractively dressed men. Uh, it was much better than even men's warehouse or some of the... He, he knew how to dress. And he always dressed very appropriately. The homeless guy beside me um, was wearing a large camouflage jacket and he had food items in his pockets. He further filled them in coffee hour after the service, by the way. But it suddenly struck me that that is the true nature and character of the church of Jesus Christ. That's it. Right there. Right there. Because what that did is push me out of my comfortableness of sitting between such good people like you into a world that felt a little bit like, yeah, okay. I didn't know whether I should talk to him or him. I was scared to talk to him and him. And that's what the gospel so successfully does. It bridges those boundaries and says, you know what? What is the unifying factor that draws all humanity together? In your DNA, you have this thing about fellowship and and community. Let me invite you to the true community, the community of Jesus Christ. And I believe that as as I was studying for this, I suddenly realized that have I devoted myself to the apostles' teaching? What might it look like today for Marcus, for me, for us, to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching? To honestly look at our lives and ask ourselves, what do I need to do to actually grow in the gospel? And, and commit myself to intentionally learn more about Jesus and his ways. How do I learn about Jesus? Anybody ever ask you the question? How do I learn about Jesus? What would you tell them? Irvin, you're going to say something. How do you learn about Jesus? Anybody? No trick question. Somebody asks you that, what, do you t- what, what should we say? I think there are several possible answers. One of them is, follow me as I follow him. Huh. That's scary though, isn't it? The other one is, read the scriptures. Especially the gospels. So I'm going to challenge you. I've been thinking about it. I have more time to think about this than you do. I uh, I, I went and looked at how long it would take the average reader to read the Gospels. The average reader can read Matthew in two and a half hours. Now you can say, well, I can't. Well, so then listen to it. Listen to it. And, and by the way, sometimes it, it works better if you have a Bible that isn't laid out in this way. If you have a Bible that is laid out across the page. 
Because then it reads more like a book. And I sometimes go uh, and, and download like a book of the Bible and take all the verse and chapter headings out because then it flows better. Suppose you did that. Uh, the average reader could read through the Gospel of Matthew in two and a half hours, in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, in an hour and a half, in Luke, two and a half hours, in John, two hours. Now, some, sometimes when I say that, you say you can't, but it's because we get stuck because we think, oh, I've got to get something out of this. How about if you didn't, how about you say, uh, I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it like I would any other book once and see what, what is this guy Jesus really about. Or listen to it. When you take your walk or your run, listen to it. And I, I've been thinking about challenging you in this. And I'm not quite ready to say, well, yeah, I am ready to say, I, I, here's what I'm thinking. Suppo- what would happen to a group of people if they agreed together that um, week one we'll, we'll, we'll read Matthew. Week two, we'll read Luke. Week three, we'll read uh, Mark. Matthew, Mark, sorry. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. And then we return and read Matthew again. Different translation. And we read Mark. And we read Luke. And we do that. We do that for, let's say, um, 20 weeks. Oh, no, I have an even better idea. How about we begin May 1st, May, the first week in May? And we read uh, till November or something like that. I wonder what, no, I'm, I'm, you don't have to do it, but I wonder what would happen to a group of people if they agreed together that we're going to learn more about Jesus. Because that is what they're saying here that the apostles were teaching. They were saying, we need to learn more. The, the apostles' teaching is Jesus. And we need to learn more about Jesus. So we're going to make a categoric. Uh, attempt to learn more about Jesus. So altogether, we're going to read Matthew. And then we're going to read Mark. So think about that a little bit. Now, we have a little bit of time before May, but I, I'm, I've, I've actually mapped it into my calendar a little bit and thought, I wonder if I could do this. So two and a half hours uh, uh, to read it. And so if you spread that over a week, over five days, that's half an hour a day. And if you listen to it, it's actually a little less than that. Huh, wonder what that would do. I, I, sometimes we preach, and, and at the end of the day, I think, did I give him anything practical to do this? And this is the most practical way I know to learn about Jesus, is to do this. You have a little time. I'm ready, I am ready to kind of commit that I'm willing to do that if you are. I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to, I can do it myself. I honestly don't think I can do it myself. Okay, here we go again. In our DNA is this need for companionship and, and community. I don't think I can do it myself because I'll get kind of lost in it. So if you'd like to join me in that, you think about it and you send me a text or let me know and in, in a week and in two weeks we'll check in again. I, I'm going to begin May 1st if I have those along who will go with me on the journey. Because in doing that, I think we can learn about who Jesus is. And what we need more desperately than anything else is Jesus. Let's stand together. God has graciously invited us to come and receive what we've not earned. The call to be devoted to the apostles' teaching is an invitation to experience life, resurrection, and truth found only as we abide in Jesus. He wants to teach us together how to love like he does.
We have no better person or story to devote ourselves to than the story of Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we invite you to speak to our hearts about what it means to be devoted to you. To be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And I pray that as we think about our own lives and the call that you've placed on each of us, not only for the forgiveness of sins and the freedom from sins, but to live in a new way, to live well in our broken world, to take the kingdom of God, to build that tower in today's world. I pray that you would encourage the hearts of the people here. I pray that you would uh, show us how you are the life, truth, and the way. In Jesus' name, amen.